Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief for recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. My name is Jack McLean. I am the host, and in today's episode, I interviewed Nick Popovich, the high-performance manager of Melbourne United. Before Melbourne, Nick worked in China as a director of performance for the Shenzhen Basketball Club and worked on the Nike Asia Boys and Girls Basketball Camp. Let's get into today's episode. In the industry tuning in, uh, which right. is good to see. Take us awesome. back to the very beginning, mate. Uh, at what age do you discover you had a passion for strength and conditioning? Well, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh... Look, I guess for me, um, it started when I was about 10 years old, 11 years old. I, I, was, I was very unathletic, very unskilled, and, and uh, loved sports and uh, was hopeless. Couldn't, couldn't run around uh, to save myself. So, you know, about 10 years old, I thought, right, grabbed the soccer ball. I ran around the block. It took me about five minutes. I ran around the block five times and then ran to the puck and chased the ball around like a crazy person and, uh, until I was exhausted and couldn't move and then went back home. <laughs> Went back home to uh, get ready for school. So it kind of stemmed from that. And, um, uh, you know, over the years, you know, when I finished school, I, I played a lot of sports at high school. I tried everything from cricket to rugby to soccer. And a friend of mine at the time said, you know, why don't you uh, come along and, and try this sport called basketball? And I had no clue what basketball was yeah. and was fascinated by it. And I was like, wow, look at this. This is like fast and quick and a jump and all these sorts of different actions were going on and, and skill and so throughout the whole high school years I, I played everything everything sport I could get my hands on squash and swimming and just got into uh, the whole activity and the whole process of, of training basically without knowing that uh, that that was what we were doing at the time and uh, finished up school and, and fell into a job uh, with a friend of mine that, that we, we did a course for which was a computer industry and no disrespect to anyone out there, but I hated it. I, I, yeah. I couldn't stand the industry. It was it's a great job and everything at the time, but this is back in the day when the computers were the size of cars and you had a little terminal. And uh, and so I'm sitting there one one morning. I did a night shift. I'm there at about 3 o'clock in the morning thinking, what am I going to do with my life? And I'm flicking the newspaper, and uh, there it was, the Australian College of Physical Education. Oh, yes. and, and I thought, wow, that's it. That's it. I'm something I'm passionate about and something I can do as a career. Found out how much it cost at the time, so we're talking like the early 90s, and I thought, well, I can't afford that. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next level. And I found a course back in the day, I guess it's equivalent to your Cert 3s and 4s today, but it was called the yeah. Fitness Leader 1 and Fitness Leader 2 course, and um, applied for that. It was just a, a short course, a couple of weekends for about four weeks, um, and met a gentleman by the name of Paul Batman, and um, spoke to him, and, and he was fascinating. He taught me how the, the heart worked in one night, all the chambers and the flow and the oxygen and all the valves, and I thought, this is, this is awesome. This guy's unbelievable. He could teach anything. Spoke to him, and he was a uh, university lecturer as well at University of New South Wales. So I kind of said, wow, university. <laughs> Never really thought about university. That's kind of not my thing. Um, I don't think I could make it. I don't think I could do that. And he said, now, why don't you apply and give it a shot, which I did. Long story short, I didn't get in. 
mm. my world was sort of crushed and I thought, okay, what do I do now? So I work some odd jobs and building sites and meat factories and video warehouses and all sorts of things. Gave it one more shot the following year at the tender age of 25 yeah. and um, got in. I was one of three mature age students. So got in and grabbed the opportunity with both hands. So to answer your question, when did it all start? I, I guess it started when I was a kid. Yeah. I loved sports and was training, but my passion grew immensely through high school. And then when I got into university, it was, wow, this is, how do I, how do I grab onto this? How do I, how do okay, I really, calling. yeah, how do I make a career out of it? And at that time, and again, no disrespect to anyone in the sport at the time, I don't think from, as far as I know, I don't think there was anyone in a full-time S&C role within the NBL or basketball. I know people were working with the basketball teams at mm. the time, but I don't know if there was anyone full-time. There might have been um, one or two, but uh, I thought, this is it. This is where I'm going to go. So that's how it kind of came about. Yeah, that's a, a, it's a great one to, to explain because everyone's had different paths to get themselves to the, to the top elite sport. And, exactly. Um, there's no right or wrong way necessarily. Like all the, the journey is important to build you up, all those experiences. And it sounds like for you, like those, all those jobs that you, you had to do to get ends meet, you, you didn't love them, but you just, that's what you knew and that's what you were experiencing. That's what everyone else is doing. And then Absolutely. you found your, your calling and, and Paul Batman sort of got you on the path of, uh, you know, the, the S&C world. And then once you found it and got into uni, with great persistence as well to try it again for the next year. Did you think at, the, at that, that year where you're doing other things, were you looking at like, oh, that's not for me, like I've got to move on? Or did you know I had to give it another crack? No, I always knew I had to give it another crack because I thought I'm going to starve if I don't. I'm, I'm not going to be able to yeah. pay the bills. Um, he really changed the course of my trajectory and made me believe I could. I mean, he was phenomenal in, in terms of a, a teacher, a lecturer. Um, I thought I've got to give it one more chance. And if it doesn't transpire that following year, then I'll, I'll face the music and see which way I go with it all. But um, luckily I got in, and once I was in there, there was no way they couldn't drag me out. I was, <laughs> was going to stay there until I got my degree and, uh, and, and loved it, enjoyed it. You know, the first year was a bit of a shock, but then you, you learned the system. And, uh, yeah, there's only three of us that were mature age. I mean, 25 yeah. to 30. I think one of, our, uh, one of the guys was 35, and everyone else was straight out of school. So you... You're in a, you know, you're in a different world, and, and uh, the children, the, the the people coming out of uh, school had a, a an understanding of the system, how to study, how to learn, how to prepare for exams, and that so it was a big learning curve. But yeah. uh, enjoyed the whole process, and and I think it's it's part of um, you know what you need to do to to get to where you want to get to. Absolutely, yeah. I was mature age as well. I think I was 25, around the same age. Going there, you go. Yeah. You, yeah, uh, you you stand out. You stand out like a sore thumb with all the <laughs> high school kids, or just absolutely, above high school. absolutely. Um, but yeah, everyone's got their own path, and uh, I think that's a good one for people to hear. That you know, at twenty five, thirty, when thirty five for the other mature age, it doesn't matter when you start, as long as you love uh, it, you have a passion. Uh, so yeah. you got into the uni course, and then how did you start getting, getting your teeth and, and cutting your teeth, so to speak, with getting experience uh, yeah. in sport? Yeah, great question, Jack. I mean, I know there's, there's a contentious sort of uh, issue about free work, if you will, in the industry. And, and by all means, I don't uh, believe you necessarily have to work for free to, to, get your, to get your foot in the door, so to speak. At that time, I chose to do that. Uh, I basically, uh, there was a new team coming out called the West Sydney Razorbacks. 
just went up to the head, to the GM actually one day and said, hey, this is who I am and this is what I've done in terms of study. Would love to help out. Your team's coming in to the league, uh, met the head coach and, and just basically dedicated my time and was happy to do that for nothing, for zero uh, money, if you will, but obviously experiences um, mm. for two years, for two years. So work for free. Um, at that time, they had an affiliation with the rugby league team. Uh, okay. Canterbury, Canterbury Bulldogs. So their head strength conditioning coach, a gentleman by the name of Billy Johnson, who was a former player, he uh, he was running the program and I assisted him. Learned a lot, um, you know, different things. Uh, and it was great for me because I was in an environment with elite athletes at that time, really elite, you know, Australian level players, Olympic level players that um, influenced how I thought and how I needed to prepare. Because you're trying to trying to bring in everything you've learned from uni in a practical world and how you make that happen it's quite challenging um but uh yeah dedicate that time one of the athletes that i work with uh, a guy by the name of ben thompson basically gave me a phone number one day and he said oh look i was down at the boomers camp the australian men's olympic team camp and speaking to the coach um they might be looking for someone so that gentleman's name was brett brown he's been in the nba for quite a long time and Australia coaching and, and I reached out and to cut another long story short he had a screaming kid on one arm and the phone on the other arm <laughs> I, said, I said mate is it a bad time he's like no 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 we can talk and you know I spoke to him a little bit and he said well there might be something once you come in sat with him and his assistant for about four hours in a room wow and he just interview spoke... type chat or just yeah it wasn't anything formal it wasn't anything advertised there was no LinkedIn at the time there was no you know, um, social media at the time. This was 90, uh, just on 2000. Okay, so just on 2000. And uh, um, I'd spent a couple of years with the West Sydney Razorbacks and then went in and sat down and it was a casual sort of conversation that turned into a four-hour discussion. And he basically said, right, show me what you're doing on the board. Here's a whiteboard marker and, you know, here's your season. This is your start date. This is your, your, your pre-season yeah. and, and just go for it. And it was just a running conversation of, writing things up no that doesn't okay this doesn't work that works and an unbelievable experience and it kind of worked out from that and he said right okay right place right time you reached out i just cold called him never never knew the guy at all yeah um and he said why don't you come on board um but unfortunately we don't have any money <laughs> so, <laughs> so i said okay um no problem so i did another six months or so for free um kept That's at two it and a, two and a half years yeah Two and a half years for free. Wow. And, um, and then, you know, thankfully it started to build up from there slowly in terms of uh, being, you know, rewarded with some financial payment and uh, getting to know the players and getting to know the program and just building it from there. Yeah. And Ben Thompson was a player that you knew from uni or from somebody who you were no, he, looking he, after his physical preparation? Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a player at the West Sydney Razorbacks. And right. I think he, he was involved. That's right. He was invited to a, uh, to a camp, and so he was part of that. And he just basically handed me his number and said, give him a call. So, you know, what's the worst he can say? And at that stage, I was close to 30 years old, 29, 30. And I just had no fear. I was, was going yeah. to make this thing work or, or I was going to go broke. <laughs> One of the two. So, yeah. Um, yeah Sink that's or the swim. Way. Yeah, ex- exactly. And how did you handle, um, you know, that situation? He hands you the what? board marker pen and he says draw up your 
your intentions? <laughs> like, were you a bit nervous or did you just dive straight in and just get going with it? Had you prepared for those sort of potential scenarios or were you just not winging it? But, you know, like, how did you handle that situation? Yeah, look, if anyone says they're not nervous in that situation, they're, they're not telling you the truth. Yeah, I was nervous, yeah. but I backed myself. I just said, look, this is my only chance. I'm in front of uh, what was, he was then the assistant coach at the Boomers, I believe, and um, head coach of the Sydney Kings. And I thought, back yourself. So be yeah, confident, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, you can't, you can't be fearful in those situations. You've got to go for it. You've got to really grab it. And, and I did, and uh, the nerves quickly went as discussion built up you know questions and you okay well that's a good question and i see where you come from but this is what i believe or this is what research shows at the time and uh this is how i would approach it and and then all of a sudden you're in a a conversation like you and i are about a topic area you're not in an interview and and not in a you know a formal sort of uh setting where you're trying to land a job it's just a conversation so i i kind of went that way you know yeah that's a great approach and yeah. something that you do, you do that all the time. So you're pretty, you click into this, you know, it feels familiar, don't you, when you're just basically doing your job. Exactly, uh, exactly. And I think, you know, confidence comes from uh, knowing that you've done the work. And so mm. at that time, I just finished uni. I was, I was researching every single article I could find on strength conditioning for basketball. I felt at that time there was a niche that I could enter. Um, you know, I'd spent a couple of years with the West Sydney team and I'd applied some things and I didn't have uh, a free reign to apply everything I, I sort of thought could work, but obviously assisted the, the, the head strength coach and uh, wanted to make sure I did it the right way. And, and here's an opportunity where you can land a, a job. Got to go for it. Got to really uh, go for it. And uh, and luckily we, we, we went on for about four hours and went for a coffee and had a bit of a chit chat and 2000 Olympics were coming up at that time. Mm, mm. And so he said, look, um, I want you to come in and do a couple of sessions and I'm going to be at the Olympics with you, with the men's team. And, uh, you know, let's see how you go. And then, yeah, just, it, it built, built up from there. You get to know the players and it was great. It was a time of, uh, growth and learning and okay, this is what theory says, but this is practicality. Now, how do we, how do I make that work? And then, you know, I'm dealing with veterans as well as rookies. How do you how do you balance all that up? So, sink or swim, like you said before, you really had to find a way. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a great message for for developing S and Cs and and current. It doesn't matter what level you are, really. Like, absolutely. Yeah, you know, confidence comes from like you said, good thorough preparation. That's a good one. Um, absolutely. You, you mentioned the research. You know, owning a niche and and really focusing your energy on that on that sport. Um, at what point did you did that happen for you? Did you you know was it uni where you said M, you know MBL is, is my focus and I've got a tunnel vision for that, or did that sort of just eventuate naturally with these opportunities and building relationships with players and then they get you getting you building your networks and getting a you know growing experience? Uh, or was it yeah. yeah that was your focus? That's what you wanted. MBL was the goal. Uh, I, I guess I guess like I said, I had a passion for a lot of sports, but I really had a. Uh, a big passion for basketball. I, I saw these athletes as very unique, um, long-levered, big human beings. And, and again, no disrespect. I'm talking about height. I'm talking about girth size, width, arm spans, foot size, you know, like really sort of uh, big human beings across yeah. the board. And, and I had a passion. Super athletic. Yes, super athletic. A, a sport that requires strength, power, speed, agility, finesse. 
Mm. So it's a it's a unique combination of of qualities of physical qualities you, you need to have to succeed at the sport. And I always was passionate about it. I played it at high school, loved it, um, loved most sports, but I just had a little bit more for for uh, for basketball. And then I thought I don't really see. You know, I was watching games and I don't really see a strength and conditioning coach there with them. I'm sure there was, but I don't sort of see anyone taking that reins or, or um, on the sidelines or, or, you know, doing certain things with the players. And like I said, I'm sure there was people working with them, but I thought, why not try and make this work? So it was something that I, I had in my mind when I got into uni of, of pursuing and I uh, based my major thesis on the periodization, the annual periodization of an elite basketball player because I wanted to use that as a Bible or reference, if you will, in that situation. And, and uh, specifically, when I met with Brett, I had the, the thing in my hand. You know, it was, yeah. it was, it was like, hey, man, I, I've written this down. So, okay, let's, let's try and make it work and from your end, from what you're looking for. But, uh, yeah, always had that in my mind. And um, you mentioned Paul Batman early days. So who have been some other strong influences along, along your career to help you get to where you are today? Okay, well, this is a, a multifaceted one because I believe everyone influences us on a, on a daily basis. I mean, you know, myself talking to you, there's an influence there, you know, your listeners. and, and But who, who influences you the most? I, I, I've split it down to three sections. Um, first and foremost, the coaches that I've worked with, which have been many, they've all been unbelievable, but Brett gave me my first chance. He was the one that, that said... Um, Here's the head strength conditioning role for you for the Sydney Kings team at the time. Um, so that was a big influence to me. Learned a lot from him. And when he left the team, he went to the NBA. A guy by the name of Brian Gorgian took over, who now is the Olympics uh, men's team, the, the senior men's team coach for the Olympics coming up and has been prior years as well. Worked with Brian for 13 years, both here oh, wow. in Australia and China. Um, was fortunate uh, to, to win uh, four championships with him, both in Sydney and in Melbourne. Um, worked in China for quite a few years, so he had a, a big influence on my career, and I learned a lot from him as I did from the other coaches I've worked with. But definitely from a coaching point of view, skills coaches, Brett and Brian were, were the two big influences for me. Strength and conditioning coaches had a big influence on me, someone that I consider not only a good friend and a mentor, um, Bowden Babacek, who I know Probably that might, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, Bowden he referred was... you on the podcast. He said, you have to get, <laughs> yeah, you have to get Nick on. <laughs> yeah, Bowden was, was unbelievable. And if I can, I'll tell you a quick story. It's the, I don't know, 2003 Australian men's camp. And Brian says to me, we've got Bowden on board. He's the national men's strength and conditioning coach. We're in camp uh, north of Sydney. Why don't you come up to camp? Have a look what he does, so no problem. I'm sitting up there with a cap on, rugged up, up in the corner, just writing notes and, and watching all these legends of the game and, uh, you know, warming up, getting ready for, for practice. And Bowden looks up and he sees me and he kind of waves me down. He says, come down here. I'm like, oh, shit, I don't want to go down there. <laughs> What's yeah. he want? Had, you know? had you guys so, had a chat before that session? Like, had you met before then? No. Nah. So you're just complete strangers him. at that point. Com yeah. Never met him. Complete stranger. Okay. So I came down, introduced myself on the court. He introduced himself. He said, what are you doing sitting up there? I said, oh, you know, I'm so-and-so, Brian. He goes, yeah, I know who you are. Just taking notes. I don't want to get in your way. I said, nah, stuff that. 
come on court. I need you to run this drill and run this drill and I'm going to be over here. And, and I was shitting my pants, man. I was like, oh, no, what do I do? What do I do? Um, but he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. And um, from that day on, great friends, great mentor to me. He actually brought me into the program. I assisted him for a few years when he got really busy with his, with his um, AFL commitments. He basically just said to Basketball Australia, who were fantastic, you know, with me the whole way through, said, look, you know, get Nick to run the program. I'll over, oversee it. And, uh, I kind of took over from Bowden, and he still played a huge part and oversaw the whole program. But, um, yeah, he was phenomenal for me. And, and he introduced me as well to another unbelievable uh, strength and conditioning coach, Valery Stoymanov, Val, mm-hmm. which you probably know as well. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get Val on. He's, he said he wants to watch a few more. Yeah. He, <laughs> well, he, he, he wants to make it a strong impression, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. He is an amazing human being and, uh, you know, learned so much from him and, and such a humble, um, down-to-earth guy that's very, very smart, very intellectual and knows his stuff back to front and, and has produced so many good athletes and helped so many athletes achieve their, their goals. So those two guys from, from a uh, strength and conditioning uh, role have influenced me immensely. Then I think yeah. about the play- players I've worked with, um, two players that come to mind, actually three, that were huge in the early part of my career. Because you're a young S&C coach, you know, you want to make sure you do the right thing. And then you have these very high profile athletes that, um, that are at your disposal that you need to help and make sure you, you uh, get them to where they want to get to. And, and Back in the day, in the mid-2000s, a guy by the name of C.J. Brute and a guy by the name of Jason Smith. Uh, C.J. was a dual Olympian, a six-time NBL champion. Uh, Jason Smith, a dual Olympian and three-time NBL champion. Um, Another another player, Mika Vakona, who was an absolute wonder to work with and, and such a humble human being, but one of the most ferocious athletes I've ever come across. Um, those guys really paved the way for me to allow me to do what I needed to do with them in the gym, on the court, on the field, wherever it may be. Um, some of the listeners out there might not know those those names because they were they were a while back, but um, big time influence for me. And, and then if you think about athletes now, just this year, someone like Jock Landell, who was on our team, who's on the Olympic team, you know, I learned a lot from him and, and working with him. Um, striving to be the best he can be every day. Jack White is another one, a rookie who had so much in front of him, had two excruciating injuries that put him out. One of them put him out for about a month with a broken finger, came back from that, ripped his Achilles. Um, And this is a guy that there was no signs of that. There was no conditions and and such an athletic, skilled, awesome human being that, that, you know, you wish those injuries happened to no one but um, to happen to him just watching him come back from that that inspires me and so that mm-hmm. that influences me in a way so I guess you know to answer your question there's many people but but in different categories and I can't sort of go past and not say um, the parents my parents you know the, the two people in my life that that um, you know were in a room no bigger than a bedroom that had their kitchen their bathroom and their bed in in Serbia and decided that, um, well, the former Yugoslavia decided that we're going to, you know, have a better life for our three-year-old son. Why don't we migrate somewhere and uh, 
see if we can give him those opportunities. And a funny story of that, we were supposed to go to, to Canada and I got very sick. We had to get off in Austria. We missed the plane to go to Canada. The next plane, oh. going, was, the next plane going was to Australia. And so they thought, set up your life. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, let's go to Australia. And uh, wow. so, yeah, that's how that happened. So for my parents to take that risk, I mean, we mentioned before, talk about no fear. You don't yeah. know the language. You don't know. You're supposed to go to one country. You go into another country. Yeah. Who does that? That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And so we ended up in Australia and uh, ended up uh, down south coast and then eventually Sydney. And um, yeah, so. I get inspiration and people have influenced me in different ways in my life and, and that sort of shapes you who you are to who you yeah, are. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been a, a couple of uh, stories that you've talked about where you've, you know, we'll use the sink or swim again, whether it be Bowden or uh, Brett Brown putting you in those situations and you're either going to step up to the plate and impress and, and, and get an opportunity for it or it might, you know, potentially uh, not happen for you and, and <laughs> yeah, you know, the, yeah. the development stops that day. But um yeah, that's amazing, mate. And I, I like that approach that how you've um, categorised it. You know, like you said, everyone's influencing you every day, uh, and then your strong influence. You know, the athletes, the coaches, the, the S and Cs—they all have different ways. That's a, quite a nice holistic approach. We'll be right back after this short break to explain our most popular online program. I want to introduce you to Prepare Like a Pro Online. This is more than just an online program. This is a virtual high-performance program at its finest. Not only are you getting structured strength and conditioning, you're getting customized load selections, detailed video tutorials, so we're giving you the guidance on exactly how much to lift, how fast to run, and how to perform the movement. You'll be able to access your training program and upload your training loads during workouts through the Team Builder app on your phone. Access to our exclusive academy group, giving you the opportunity to connect with a community of like-minded athletes and to continue to educate yourself about cutting-edge research and elite techniques for performance with our regular posts and discussion forums. The programs are specific with seasonal timing, your playing position, age and goal in mind. These specific programs are designed to help you reach your body composition goals of gaining, reducing, or maintaining weight. The Prepare Like a Pro online program is an end-to-end coaching service without the big price tag. Sign up today to attack your goals and be the fastest, strongest, and most resilient version of you on game day. For more information about this program, click the link in our Instagram bio. Welcome back to the show. Um, Talking about not knowing the language, uh, China, you've had some yeah, a long stint working in China as a coach. How, how did you tackle that uh, that English the, the language barrier, and and how did it influence you coaching, uh, like the art of coaching, I guess, uh, to help you where you are today? Yeah, great question. Um, I guess the first, the easiest thing that I did to try and learn was sets and reps in the gym. How do you say sets? How do you say reps? How do you how do you say this exercise? How do you say that? But even before that. I didn't realize how much of a cultural difference the country was. And so sport is sport, you know, but perceptions of sport, um, how you approach preparations, what is important was all different. So, uh, again, you know, I mentioned Brian before, Brian Gorgian. He's the one that uh, took me over there and uh, was supposed to go for a month to help a junior team prepare for a national tournament. 
and we ended up staying 10 years. Uh, I think Brian stayed wow. 11. Um, so you kind of look at opportunities and you go, well, I was only going to be here a month. But um, when I got there, the biggest thing was, okay, the, the language is way out. You know, I don't know what anyone's saying. So you have to work through a translator. Yeah. So that's difficult in itself. But also, if you flip the script, it's actually pretty good because it gives you time to think of your response or mm. what you're going to say next as opposed to a running conversation where you've got less time, but a lot more difficult because the conversation, I mean, could you imagine if you yeah. and I were going through a translator now, this thing would go on forever. And have no flow. Like you have yes. no idea, is work, are we connecting here? Or am I connecting more yeah. with the translator? Or yeah. It's bizarre. I kind of yeah. yeah, so the language was one thing, but I, I guess um, if you have a second language, if you can speak a second language, I can speak Serbian. Um, I feel that you might be able to catch on to a third language without too much difficulty, but i got to admit, Chinese was really difficult, and you kind of take baby steps. Um, so that was the first challenge, and then the, the bigger picture challenge was um, <laughs> how, you, how you do everything in an uh, environment that's completely different to what you're used to. So to give you an idea, my longest pre-season preparation was the first year and we had a nine-month preseason. Wow! And at the well, time, how often are they training a week? All day, every day, twice a day. So you have that. That's a lot of coaching hours. <laughs> yeah. So you have that, and you go, "Well, okay, what am I going to do here?" And I was saying to Brian at the time, I was saying, "Look, uh, this isn't done anywhere on the planet. There is no research. There's no university. There's no, no one's going to show you what to do." And and he said, "Well, we're going to come up with a plan." So I came up with a, a plan that I thought was best. To, block of training and a week off and another block and another week off and put that all in writing and had it translated and gave it to the owner and a little bit different there at the time I guess it's still similar in some ways each team had one owner um, not all teams but most of the teams one owner so everything had to go through the, the that one particular owner and we yeah. presented we presented the the theory of how we're going to train these guys for nine months before the season and what's their background? The owner, or what was the owner's background? Well, most of it was business, business related. Yeah, yeah, most of it business related. And he kind of looked at it and he said, "All this one week crap, <laughs> where you having breaks?" <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of thought, "Okay, I'm in trouble." You now. can't have breaks in the business world. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I kind of said, "Well, boss, look, no disrespect, but they're going to be dragging their knuckles by the time we get to the season. If it doesn't work." you can fire me. What the hell, you know? And, and Brian was very supportive and he was like, oh, no one's going to get fired. Don't worry about it. We'll see how we go. And, and he, he agreed to it. And um, luckily we came out the season, started 10-0. and 0. So it kind of... It worked. No, yeah. No one, yeah, yeah. No one lost their jobs. But the, guy, the athletes were, wow, we get a... Is this real? We get a, a week rest? Really? You know? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Week rest. And so... And com did they completely... They were able to do whatever they wanted for that week or whether there a bit of structure there to do some bit of homework stuff or how, how did that week look? They had the week to themselves, mate, and it was yeah, phenomenal. It was, for, yeah, it was phenomenal because, I mean, you've got to, you've got They're pretty diligent culture. athletes. They're, they're yeah. 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 You've got to give them that, that uh, side to it. So that whole China experience, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. It, it shaped me as a coach because you have to overcome so many different levels um, of challenges, of obstacles. But again, don't get me wrong, um, unbelievable support, the ownership group, 
the um, the staff, the athletes. I mean, it's a stat I throw out, and I, and I don't know the accuracy of the stat, but I was told many times by many people that I was that when I first started in China that there was more athletes registered for basketball at all levels, so your weekend warriors to your to your elite, than there were people in the USA. Four hundred. 400 million registered athletes. So That's incredible. <laughs> you look at the sport, it was that and, and football, soccer were the, the two top and, you know, sort of trying to get first position there. But um, great environment to work in. The cl- I ended up working for that club for 10 years. I didn't change clubs. I stayed with the one club and uh, always supportive through thick and thin and, and great people to work with. And, uh, you know, you, you, you learn a lot from that, from a different culture. Yeah. So you moved there at what age? How old were you? Uh, I was just about to turn 40, 39. Wow, okay. So what, where were you at? Did, did you have family at the time that came with you? What was your situation? Yeah, yeah. My, I just got married at the age of 39. So it was like, okay. And uh, I rang my wife from China saying, um, I know I was supposed to stay for a month, but we got there the first night. Yeah. The owner said, forget about a month. You've got to stay here three months. And um, she was like, that's okay, that's all right. She was very supportive. And while we were there, both Brian and I worked for a team in Melbourne called the South Melbourne Dragons. Um, I guess about the s- six weeks in, they, uh, one of the owners called Brian and um, the whole thing uh, ended up folding. The club folded, um, not because of any other reason. I think there was a disagreement with uh, the owners at the time and where they wanted to take the the club and, and the NBL at the time and I don't know too much of the details but I do know that they folded while we were there and right there and then we we're courtside and you know Brian's delivered the message as hey we're out of a job we're not going back to anything um, yeah. the the owner was sitting courtside and he kind of what's happening what's happening yeah we told him and he said oh I'll give you a contract here right let's go and and you're like, well, I'm only supposed to be three months. You're going to sign a three-year three deal now, and shit, what do I do? Yeah, I've lost but a again, job, but I've got another job. Yeah, yeah but again, you, uh, you sink or swim. You say, you know, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to go for this opportunity. There's a reason it's presenting itself. I'm supposed yeah. to be here. Let's go for it. And you had momentum as well. Like, obviously, it was working what you and Brian were doing, and it's, yeah. Yeah, it's an important yeah. thing, momentum of sport. Um, exactly. James was sent through a, uh, a question. He's a strength and conditioning coach uh, who also loves his basketball. Uh, I'll just click it up so it pops up at the bottom here. Gotcha. What is the landscape like for S&C for basketball in Australia? Paid positions, sub-elite opportunities, cultural, uh, culture considerations, etc. What, what are the opportunities like? Uh, I, I, really, I really believe you make your own luck. I mean, I really do. The harder you work, obviously opportunities need to present like i said earlier on if you're you know working for free is totally up to the individual um and and it's something that you know people should be paid for their time whether it's an internship or or whether it's a a part-time role or whatever it may be but i really do believe that showing your dedication through a bit of free work if you will or dedicating your time um showing your uh willingness to, to do what it takes to get into a position is something that's it's it's important i mean it's very competitive these days it's very mm. competitive you know the the amount of jobs that are out there and the amount of sporting teams depending which sport you're looking at it's competitive you might have 
100, 150 people apply for the one job. Um, so, you know, we were talking off air just before we started, you know, a good, a mutual friend, a good friend of mine and yours, Jay Ellis, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's paid his dues and he's in a position with, with us at Melbourne United. And this last year was an even better position than the previous year. And hopefully it's going to get more and more for him. And, and I mean, it's fantastic. It's, it's, I'm happy for him. Um, he's happy and he's loving the work that he's doing. So I, I feel that at some point in time, it's very individual. You've got to uh, make those decisions for yourself, but there definitely are opportunities. And yeah. a coach said I, mean, that, that, to... that's, you, I was just going to say that experience you talked about just there, like if you weren't in China working at that time when the phone call happened in front of the GM, uh, which is creating your own opportunity by you know, working, if you're on the couch at home, uh, that contract wouldn't have been offered, you know. So exactly. It's a, it's a good example. But what were, what were you going to say? Sorry about the coach. Ex- exactly. Now, a coach said to me once, um, you never know who's watching. You never yeah. know. And so to me, an astute coach, an astute GM, an astute owner um, watches from afar and it doesn't necessarily need you to be, need to be performing somersaults and, and running around like a you know, crazy person so that you're doing everything. You do your job, you do it to the best of your ability. If you're dedicating some time, that will get across. The message will get across. If you have a good rapport and a good relationship, and you're, like you just said, you're in an environment where you're going to have these relationships, these working relationships with athletes. Well, how are you going to develop that if you're, if you're at home? You can't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I really believe that um, there are opportunities to answer the question. Um, they're very difficult to, to break into, yes. And I think about when I sort of started my career, it was similar. It wasn't that there was 150 people applying. It was there was no opportunities. To apply, there was, yeah. Yeah, there was. I mean, to be honest and frank, my degree is in sports science. There was not one job for sports scientists when I, when I finished uni. And we're talking 1997, you know, yeah. so... I didn't see it was a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't see it advertised anywhere. So, you know, there was fitness trainers and trainers and, you know, whatever it may have been. But um, you got to really forge your path. And if you, you're passionate about something, you'll find a way. Yeah, yeah. That's and how I, I see it. I think how we, we started off the conversation, you got in contact with a GM at a basketball team. Um, so, if we think back to that moment and a developing basketball, uh, S&C is thinking, okay, what's my first step? So did you speak to your networks, tried to get this GM, this contact, got the, you got the, the phone call or the location where he is and you just gave to do it? No, it was a lot more simple than that. I, uh, I was working in a gym, in a public gym, and a great friend of mine by the name of Grant Tomkinson, he and I went through, to, uh, through university together and yeah. he went on and did his honors and his PhD is now a professor at uh, the University of North Dakota and great human being very intellectual very um, good at what he does top of his game and at the time we were both working in the gym and he said look I know the GM of this new team coming up um, how about I introduce you and I was like yeah great okay and we went for a walk to just grab a drink or something and there he was so it kind of just happened on the spur of the moment and yeah. Grant introduced me to him. Um, his name was Robbie Kadee, and I kind of froze. <laughs> I think I might have splurted out three words, perhaps. <laughs> uh, um, Hi, how you going? Something like yeah. that. 
uh, froze because I wasn't really ready for it and kind of didn't know what to say at the time. Like, hey, you know, can I have a job? <laughs> I didn't know. I just got, uh, that was too too much to, to throw out there. And uh, however it sort of finished up, uh, I believe that Robbie spoke to the head coach at the time, Gordy McLeod, who was a former player and a great coach as well. Um, Gordy, you know, I learned so much from Gordy and, and we ended up working together on the, the national team later on. Um, I ended up speaking to him later on, uh, at a, sorry, at a later stage and, and sort of, okay, this is what I can help you with. And, and that's how it sort of all transpired. But um, those opportunities, I learned real quickly after speaking to Robbie that, well, throwing the few words out that I did, that once those opportunities are there, you've got, to, you've got to back yourself and go for it. Yeah. And from there, I developed that ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That gives a good context that uh, for anyone that does have that experience, which I've definitely had it, where you freeze, you freeze yeah. up and you're not prepared for that moment or it just doesn't go the way you, you planned it for. But if you, like you said, if you're passionate, you'll get another, another shot at it. Uh, that's right. And you, you generally don't make that mistake twice uh, or if you <laughs> just go, go again. Um, <laughs> that's, that's right. Great, mate. That's, that's great uh, help for those listening in and tuned in. And good question, James. Um, you've, you've seen a lot of uh, high-level athletes that competed at the world stage what are some things that um you've noticed that, that they do really well um for, for the you know developing athletes tuning into this podcast that, are, that need to get better you're always going to have highs and lows you're always have peaks and valleys and troughs you're, you're going to have all of it resilience resilience if you have a clear picture of of where you want to get to you have in your mind what you want to achieve, whether you're an athlete, whether you're an S&C coach, uh, whatever field you're in, you have that clear picture and you do whatever it takes to get there within the realm of legalities and, and, you know, and everything yeah. else that's going on in this world. And you do everything. You give yourself every opportunity, but you have to maintain consistency. You can't do that for a week and then you know, nothing happens and you go, ah, well, stuff it, I'm not going not gonna to continue. You've got to do that every single day. You've got to turn up. You've got to be enthusiastic. You've got to have passion. You've got to go for it every single day. And then once you do that, then expect to be knocked down, rejected, looked over, never given a chance. Expect that. Mm. Embrace it. Embrace it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to build you from within. You know, it's going to test you and you're probably going to, feel like you want to quit um you know a lot of times when you when you face that rejection and and that uh, ability to not get to where you want to get to but I, I really feel that you know there's a chinese proverb you uh fall down seven times stand up eight yeah. so you, yeah, you just got to keep at it and you think about what we do you know we're snc coaches what, what do we do basically that you know like you can okay here's a bar and you're going to do a squat and I can only get eight reps at this load and okay, I'm going to build it. Or oh, now I can get nine or now I can get 10. Okay, I'm going to up the weight. Or oh, now I can only get eight again. Or you just, it's the same yeah. process. So yeah. you think, think of the simplicity of it and it's basically um, the same approach. So all the athletes I've worked with are the high-level, world-class athletes that are the best at what they do. There's a resilience around them. There's, a, there's an energy around them. There's there's a, an attitude of, yeah, I don't have it today, but I'm still putting in. I'm, I'm trying my best. Now I'm going to do it again tomorrow, and it's going to be better, and I'm going to get better again. And um, 
you know, not, whatever. Yeah, not dwell with the losses too much. Exactly. You know, one of our one of our athletes this year, and you know, uh, I might give him a shout out. Give old Dave Anderson a shout out. It's a yeah, great Bowden's athlete. He's, yes. <laughs> Dave Dave said, "I'm just an average guy on the way up and an average guy on the way down." You know, and <laughs> I kind of like that. I I think to myself, you know, stay stay low profile and and, and you know keep yourself. Uh, humble and and keep striving to be the best and irrespective of wherever you achieve um, remember where you start and if you're at the start you're never going to be there forever I mean you're going to get somewhere don't worry um, so to every to everyone listening out there we, you know coaches SNC coaches or or athletes I think those are the big take-home messages resilience embrace the highs and lows turn up every single day and you know be ready for it because it will happen yeah yeah it's a great message mate and um we'll, we'll start to, to wrap it up now thank you so much for your time and uh no problem your, your experiences and your stories and, and and how you've got to where you are um what are you excited about mate for for 2021 you, you guys have, you know you won the championship what's what's on for the rest of the year that's a that's another good one um look obviously you know from a from a club's point of view you want to make sure you maintain that high level of success so yep. You know the club's great in in supporting that, and and they're ready to continue to put all the right pieces in into into uh, the the puzzle so that you can continue to be successful. Um, so that that's something to look forward to, definitely. Um, personally, I always look at everything every year and think, okay, where can I get better? How can I learn more? Because to me, learning is growth, and. Mm-hmm. I'm not one to to sort of stay sort of sitting down too too long. I, I want to keep sort of uh, you know getting to different levels and trying different things and improving and having new experiences. So that's what I'm looking forward to, and and I'm kind of looking forward to this lockdown ending hopefully soon in in Sydney. So hopefully that uh, you're does. In, are you in Sydney at the moment? Yes, I yeah. am. I am. My my yeah. home's in Sydney. So I uh, drove up uh, just at the end of the season once we finished everything and. Uh, the lockdowns kind of put a, a little spanner in the works, but, you know, it gives you time to do other things, which is good. Um, but, yeah, those two two main things, trying to get better myself, keep growing, and, and obviously from a club point of view, keep building on the success from last year and, and, and uh, maintain that, that high level. So that, that, uh, that mention of that, that focus of learning is growth and, and getting better. Um, just will what, how do you go about doing that? What's your favourite method? Is it going for a walk, listening to a podcast? Is it reading a book? Is it still going back to the research articles? Is it calling uh, coaches? What's your favourite way of, of upskilling yourself? Exactly what we're doing right now. Um, to me, the research articles are great. and I, I read a few um, as much as I can on a, on a weekly basis. To me, I love talking to people other S&C coaches, watching sessions, observing, um, sitting in on seminars, sitting in on podcasts, um, having a look at uh, conferences. You know, obviously with COVID this year, uh, jumped on uh, some online conferences this year. My last year in China, I think in a year, I, I was able to go through 10 different conferences and courses throughout the course wow. of a cal- calendar year. I just thought, well, this course will That's take incredible. me... Yeah, it'll take me four hours. So what? I'll break it up. Especially I'll do now. an hour, hour each day. There's, it's done. It's easy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure you can find half an hour, an hour each day. So I love listening to other people. I love seeing their experiences, and I love trying to learn. It might be 
I mean, look, in the S&C world, technology's taken over quite a lot. There's a lot to grasp, but no one's really going to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. And it's just differences, small little differences that you might sort of do as a coach that I might do, and you think, oh, I really like that. I like that variation yeah. on that. Hey, can I use that? You know, that's great. You know, do you mind? And that type of thing. So learning from your peers and and sort of having the evidence and the research support that, but seeing what else everyone else is doing and, and how they do it. Yeah, how you piece it all together. Uh, yes, like you said, yes. Put it practical. Um, oh, well, thank, thank you so much, mate. I was looking forward to this chat and, and you've absolutely delivered. You know, it's inspiring your story from, you know, starting at a mature age student and uh, learning the language, Chinese language, is incredible, and uh, and then all the success you've had in the, and influence you've made in, in basketball. So uh, thank you for your time and, and sharing all your experiences, mate. It's been great. Thank you. I really enjoyed it as well, Jack. Appreciate you having me on. And uh, when I get back to Melbourne, we'll have to catch up for a coffee. And Absolutely. Anything you ever need or any of your listeners are interested or questions, by all means, let me know. Reach out. Fantastic. Awesome, Nick. We'll uh, we'll speak soon, and, and all the best with uh, with the lockdown. No doubt you guys will get through it and uh, be better for it at the other end. No worries. Thank you again, Jack. All the best. Cheers, mate. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as Q and A Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that fire you up oh this one is always uh, I suppose it is um, it'll be topical for most people I think but staying in your lane and I often find that with nutrition everyone eats so everyone has an opinion and I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be and then game changes game changes whatever that might be and look it probably keeps me in a job but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, my, my, my question to you was, you spoke quite a bit about, um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or, um, do physically that, um, you wish you either knew or did, um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, Yeah, good question. Um, 
Yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, it certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then. And, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things. And, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things. Um, cause you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the prepare like a pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.